everyone, welcome to the series called The Talk of the Table, where we're getting away from small talk and we're getting to the meat of the matter. Real, powerful conversations that can change your world. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how you can share your faith with other people or how you can understand faith in a deeper way. We hope that this talk will have an impact on you. I wanna invite you to stay to the end where I have some more information for you. And before you log off, don't forget to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy this episode. Good morning, Branch Life Church. We're so excited that you are here. This is one of the coolest days. I love baby baptisms. I mean, not baptisms. Baby dedications is a great time. And to hear about the hospitality that we have in people in our church, um, just Strickland's talking about how they're so good at just inviting people over and having a conversation and showing the love of hospitality. You've caught us in a cool series. It's called The Talk of the Table. Now, we started this series about two weeks ago and seven pounds ago. All right. it's, it's, it, the whole goal of this, this series is to help equip us to have intentional faith conversation with friends, family, neighbors, whoever we might come around. And a great way to do that is to have them over for dinner or for, or for a meal or to go play golf. Whatever it is, it's an intentional faith conversation we're doing. And we've been giving out this resource here, um, or suggesting this resource here, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And sometimes a gospel conversation can feel overwhelming to someone. I've heard this before. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that people need to hear the gospel, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I can relay it good enough. I don't know if I can um, share it clearly enough. And this book, it's just a book. It's no magic bullet. It's no magic anything. It's just the fact that it lays something out to make it simple for you to share the gospel. And in this, this gospel conversation guide that we were doing, there's something called the Three Circles Gospel Presentation. And it's easily to be drawn on a napkin. You can draw it in a sand trap, in a, a bunker, a golfing. You can draw it in mashed potatoes. I don't know, right? You can just draw it wherever you go, and it's an easy way to clearly um, tell what the gospel is. And all a faith conversation is, is telling people the truth that is in your life. That's it. I'm going to take a huge burden off your back. Y'all can't save anybody. All you can do is share the truth of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, the pressure comes off because all you have to do is share the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. And there's a great verse in uh, John 8, 32, and it says this, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The power of the gospel is in the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not in a presentation. It's not, it can, can I relay it clear enough? It's just speaking the truth of who Jesus is. And today, I've walked into the new pastor situation where I'm pretty sure I'm getting hazed just a little bit. All right? The first circle that Scott talked about was God's design. Everyone wanted to hear about what it could have been. Right? No one's offended by that. No one's, no one's like, oh man, that's messed up. There's unlimited pineapples. There's no murder hornets. There's no anything around. It's perfect communion all the time. Right? And Josh, he gets to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's exciting. And they're like, hey, Alex, why don't you tell everyone they're sinners? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I walked into this one. But today we get to talk about the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of who we are. And it seems like a, a tough thing. But to be honest with you, it gives us common grounds with everybody. Because we all live in a broken world. And we all are broken people, whether we need it or not. So let's just pray real quick before we get started in this. Lord, I'm just so thankful for who you are. 
We're thankful for the truth, Lord, and that it's ultimately you that does a work in somebody. It's ultimately you that did a work in me. Even though my parents and my friends have told me about Jesus, it's you that changes my life. It's the truth of who you are. Lord, I ask that the truth be shared in this message, that you get me out of the way of this message, and that you be glorified in it, and then the hearts would be softened to receive the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if this is possible, but I don't have the next slides up on those screens. So the first thing that we came to last week was Pastor Scott. He talked about God's design. He, he hit these five points. He said, we were in perfect relationship. Yeah, that means you didn't argue with your wife ever, right? Your neighbor was not a jerk, and you didn't get in arguments with him. The, the relationships that were found in God's design were perfect. Work was perfect. I've heard conversations this week like, yo, I really don't enjoy my work. Is that because of sin? Yeah, pretty much. God designed us to be able to be working and to be fulfilled in that work and take joy in that work. God designed it for perfect rest. Not fear, not anxiety, not children kicking you at 2 o'clock in the morning in your bed. He designed it for a solid eight hours of sleep. He's designed it that we could be in full confidence of who we are in Christ. And he gave us the perfect environment. The perfect environment. I sort of was kidding around before that, that everything in the garden, in God's perfect design, was perfect. There was no bees to sting your children. There was no thorns to step on. There was no uh, death disease. There was no brokenness. There was nothing like that. It was perfect, and Scott did a great job with that. And most and foremost, we were in perfect relationship with God. We, as Scott said it again in here, that Sawyer was created in God's image. He was designed to be in relationship with God. Each and every one of us was designed to be in relationship with God. And in the garden, you literally walked and talked with God. That's awesome. You were fully satisfied in every part in that time when you, you were with God in that perfect design. But then something happened, right? You look around and like, well, Alex, that's all good and fine and dandy, but that ain't this, all right? That's not this. One of the times I was sharing the gospel with someone and we did not agree on anything. I'm talking from the beginning of time to the end of time. And the conversation started to turn pretty bad. I'm talking red in the face, heated, started yelling at me. You saw a vein, I mean, just coming right up across. And I was like, oh no, this is bad. I was like, I need to find some common ground. And know what it was? Yeah, things are jacked up. I 100% with you agree that COVID is jacked up. I 100% agree with you that racism is jacked up. It's broken. For people to take a person that bears God's image and to judge him like that. I understand that when people have to suffer and die, that's messed up and that's broken. And we always gravitate back towards that and we can have common ground in the fact that things are broken. And it is. It's not hard to see the brokenness of this world. It is departed from God's design. God did not design us to handle losing loved ones in death. We weren't designed for that. God did not design us to go through things like COVID. God did not design us to see children suffer. God didn't design us to deal with cancer. God didn't design us to deal with divorce. God didn't design us to deal with all this stuff because it's broken. And it's not hard to see that. And even the world can understand that things are broken. So when you're at your kitchen table, when you're golfing, and the guy shanks one in the woods, like, yeah, God didn't design for you to be that bad. <laughs> it's messed up. And we can find common ground and agree on that spot. So what happened? Well, the truth of it, what the Bible says what happened is something called sin. In God's perfect design, we were fine. It was good. It was awesome. And then something called sin came in the world, and now the result is brokenness. Scott's definition of this last week, I dwelled on it all this week, and I think I'll dwell on it forever. But sin is anything we do that moves us away from God's design. Anytime we decide to follow our own design or our own path or our own plan over what God has established for us, that's called sin. We either think, say, or do something that God didn't want us to do. It's called sin. 
And in that, when we divert from God's plan, things get broken. And the first time we see sin is in the Garden of Eden. Like I said, unlimited pineapple, perfect relationship. They're in the garden. They're walking and talking with God. There's no shame. There's anything. And the Satan, in the form of a serpent, comes to Eve. And he goes, did God really say not to eat that stuff? And look at what Eve says. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. You know what Eve could not plead? is ignorance. She clearly understood what was going on. She understood what God's design was in that moment. And then the serpent came back, Satan came back and says, no, you won't really die. You'll be all right. And she started looking at this apple. And so when she, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And in that instance, they chose to follow their design and break away from God's design. And sin entered the world. And almost immediately, they felt the presence of the Lord coming. And they felt shame. They felt guilt. They felt they knew they did something wrong. And in return, we get the fall into the brokenness of the world. Genesis 3, we see it in an account as starting in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, you shall bruise his head and you shall bruise your hair. I know that my hatred of snakes started right then. I mean, I hate live snakes. I hate dead snakes. I hate sticks that look like snakes. I just hate them all. Right? And it started right there. But it goes on. And then he goes to the women. Surely multiplied your pain in bearing, childbearing. Man, I've never gave birth to a child. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I've watched my wife do it twice. There's a lot of pain in that. There's a lot of pain in that. And in God's perfect design, it was not as much pain in that situation. But now there's going to be pain in childbirth. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. The relationship between man and woman got broke right then. And I don't have to tell you guys that it seems, or at least in marriage, it seems like I can have the same conversation, say the same thing, and my wife can have the same conversation, say the same thing, and we're on two different pages. Like, not even close. She would head left, and I would head right, and we'd be like, I thought we talked about this. Or she would once, <laughs> I'm a, all right, never mind. We were at a yard sale yesterday. <laughs> we, were, we were at a yard sale yesterday, and, and my wife, we found this rug, right? And it was for $20, and I said, you know what, too much money, too much money, right? And I was like, no, I was like, too, and I yelled it, too much money, honey, let's go. All of a sudden, I get in the car, I look around, and she's carrying this rug, right? <laughs> and uh, she gets in the car, I was like, well, at least they didn't have any pets. Uh, yeah, they did. I'm like, well, at least they did not any dog hair on it. Yeah, you did. There it is. I'm like, whoa, right? And so she proceeds to stick this smelly rug in the back of my car and stink up the whole place. And I sinned. I got very angry, right? But anyways, I said one thing. She's going to the contrary, right? And that's what's broken. Then he said to the man, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground and in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. I mean, the ground, the earth has been cursed. The ground is broken. It doesn't just produce fruit like it was. It didn't, didn't produce everything. And in the life of Eve, my, lo my wife loves gardening. She enjoys it. I don't love work. I just don't. And in this moment, work is broke. Thorns and thistles in verse 18. By 19, for the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for dust, and dust you shall return. Death comes into the world. And we continue on, and it gets worse and worse and worse. To cover their sin, now that perfect animal had to die. Look at what it says in verse 21. 
his wife's garments of skins and clothed them. He had to sacrifice something to cover up their shame. And then not only that, the most important thing, mankind, ones that were created to be in right relationship with God, were removed from God's presence. The, it, the thing that was supposed to fulfill us, the thing that was supposed to satisfy, the thing that we were created for to be in relationship with God was now broken because of sin. And the Bible goes on and on and on. It gets worse and worse. Men and women choose to break from God's design over and over again. Actually, Adam and Eve's their son killed their other son right away. Then the world got so wicked in the days of Noah, and it's over and over again. I've been really reading Romans a lot lately, and there's a, a passage in here, Romans 1:28, and you just think about these people, and, and this is what it says. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, saying, you're not God, I'm God. I'm going to do what I want to do. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice things should deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who do. Man, I got a daughter. I would not want them to marry that dude. That list of things, and we're all sinners, and the more we depart from God, the further apart we get from him. And we come to this conclusion awfully quick. And it's easy. I was golfing the other day, and I was in bare feet, and I stepped on a thorn, and I was like, dang it, Adam. Right? <laughs> I go outside. Josh is always on me for weeding the flower beds. Dang it, Adam. Right? The thistles are coming up everywhere. They're in the parking lot. They're constantly going. Again, argument with my wife. Dang it, Adam. Like everything. We can blame people. We can blame these other sinners that I just described in there for what they are. But real quick, we need to turn. Because sin is not just a them problem. It's a you problem. Just as the world is broken by sin and, and people are broken by sin, we are also broken by sin. Look what it says in Romans 3.10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. For all have turned aside together and become worthless. No one does good, not even one. For all, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Real quick, we come to the fact that we are all broken people who choose to move away from God's design. And I have shared the gospel hundreds of times. And very rarely have I ever had someone claim that they're not a sinner. I've heard people say that I do more good than I do bad, but very rarely do I have someone say, oh, I've never messed up, right? And God's given us this thing called the law and just 10 summarized like the 10 commandments. And Paul talked about this law and he says, this law was my schoolmaster to make me know I need a savior. When I look at my life up against this law, it's obvious that I fall short. And it's not hard. How many of you ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Look, a couple of you told the truth. You're all liars. And if you didn't, if you didn't raise your hand, you're definitely a liar. Right then, we fall short. Right? How many of us have, have disobeyed our parents? How many of us have stole anything, even if it's just someone's Netflix password and account? Right? We're all guilty of this. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the problem is that we underestimate the severity and the cost that sin has on our lives. Look what it says. For the wages, that's the payment. That's the result. For the wages of sin is death. And instantly... We go to that eternal separation from God. That's death. Jesus says, I come to give life and life abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's saying here, when you sin, you break the relationship with God. 
and it leads to death, eternal separation from God. But the thing about eternity is it doesn't just start after you die. When's eternity start? It starts now. So even though we're talking about you're dying, death separates you from God, sin also causes death in this life. It takes away, it leads to things that doesn't satisfy. It leads to things that we think we're going to find happiness and it doesn't. And what it does is it enslaves us. It breaks us. And here's another thing that we find in common with everybody. We recognize that we're all trying to find hope, happiness, fulfillment, and joy. Everyone is. Same conversation, completely triggered person, vein popping out of their head, yelling at me still. And I said, well, we want the same thing, don't we? We don't want this stuff to happen. And they go, yeah. No, you're right. We, we don't want this to happen. And we start to pursue different paths to find that. And that's what these arrows represent. They represent that when we're in the state of brokenness, everyone's trying to find joy, peace, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment. Everybody. And a great analogy I saw of this was you being lost in the desert. You're lost in the desert and you're trying to get home and you're following the northern star. You know the right way to go. You know which way the salvation is. And as you're going, all of a sudden you look behind you and you see the palm tree in the well. And you go, oh, that's my satisfaction. That's what I need. I need to get water. So you stop from going the right direction and you start going that direction. And when you get up to it, what's it called? A mirage. Here you thought salvation was. Here you thought fulfillment was. But now... It's nothing. It's nothing. And sin is just like that. This week, I was working with my son, Nolan, with zip ties. Okay? We were working with zip ties. And my son comes up to me and goes, Hey, Dad, this would make a great bracelet. I'm like, Oh, hey, buddy, you don't thank God he didn't say a necklace. All right? He said, This would make a great bracelet. I said, Son, you don't want to pull that. It'll get so tight you can't get it off. And he didn't listen to me. So I'm working, working, and all of a sudden I hear him over next to mom. Mom, it's really tight. And I look over there, and that boy has cranked that thing all the way down. Right? It has taken him farther. The desire to have that bracelet has now taken him desire to farther. And it's going all the way to where his, his hands turn in colors. And as a good father, I said, well, this is a teachable moment. <laughs> right? So, so I walk over to him. I was like, what happened? He's like, it's tight, Dad. It's choking me out. I was like, do you remember that time? I told you about this, right? And, and he was like, Dad, it, it's cutting everything off. I was like, I understand. And so I went, to, uh, I went to cut, and I couldn't get the scissors under that thing. And so I had to look at my boy square in the face, and I was like, look, this, this is going to hurt, right? I'm going to have to jam the scissors underneath your skin to get this cut. And I've never seen, well, I've seen once, but he was terrified. And sure enough, I looked up and I had to push it. Luckily, it didn't cut him too bad, but I got it under there and I had to cut to set it free. And the same thing, no one was looking for the desire of the happiness that that bracelet would hold on to his wrist. And he was willing to do what he thought was right, and in the end, it led to enslavement and entrapment. And this is the thing about sin. Sin will drag you further down than you ever thought you would go. Sin, if left in your life, will take hold of your life and drag you further than you ever thought you would go. The severity of sin is that. It is always trying to rule your life. It is always trying to take over your life. It's always trying to say that this is where happiness is, and it promises you freedom, but in the end, leads to slavery. Because whatever overcomes a person, that is who he's enslaved to. You are enslaved to whatever you truly believe will bring you satisfaction. You are enslaved to whatever you truly apply your life to, you give your time to, you put your hope in to fill your happiness. That is what you're enslaved to. So we're in the state of brokenness. And there's four things, four categories I want to talk about that a lot of people fall into trying to find their satisfaction in. Satisfaction, anyways. Power. Some people try to find their happiness in the power. Maybe if I can get this promotion, 
Maybe if I can be this kind of influencer on social media, maybe if I can get enough money, I can buy happiness. This is where my goal is. Maybe if I sacrifice more time with my family just to bump up one more step on the rung so I can get a beach house over another spending time with my family. We sacrifice things and we go further and further. Guess what? It's never enough money. Guess what? It's never enough position or power. It's never enough people listening and influencing you. And let, don't get me wrong. Money and power and influence, that's not a bad thing. It can be a gift from God. It's not like money's evil. But when you worship money, or when you worship power, or when you worship your followers on Instagram or whatever it is, and you believe that that is what's going to bring you happiness, you've got to go further and further and further, and you'll do whatever it takes to get there. Whatever it takes to make more money, that means breaking from God's design more. Maybe you take advantage of people. Maybe you forsake what God has called you to do in your household, the role that God has given you. Maybe you cheat and lie and steal, and in your path you leave a wreckage. Sin takes you further and further and further when you pursue the power over God. The next one is approval. Man, do we fall into this trap. If only I could get them to like me. If only that, that, that girl would go out with me. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll change who I am. I'll change my values and my conviction. Maybe my friends in school, I need them to like me. So maybe I'm going to start talking like them. I'm going to start acting like them. I know it's wrong, but guess what? I really want their approval because that's what's going to make me happy. Maybe it's someone that says it on the approval of the mainstream media. I don't know. It's whatever we fall into that we try to seek the approval of something else besides God. And it's a slippery slope because you change one thing. You, you, you compromise another thing. And you do another thing and you go further, further down. And sometimes you just look in the mirror and you don't even recognize who you are anymore. You've forsaken the things that God has called you to do, the things that called to bless you because you're seeking the approvals of others. And sin ensnares you to now you constantly have to see how many likes are on my Facebook page. How many likes are on my Instagram? How many followers do I have? Did, did, did that person like my picture? I mean, it was a cute cat. They should like my picture, right? It, whatever it is, I need this validation right now and I will do whatever it takes to go get it. And it takes one step, one step. And every time we break from God's design, we sin. The next one, pleasure. We don't have to go far for this. When we find our satisfaction in feeling good, whether that be drugs, alcohol, sex, awesome vacations, uh, a nice house that we're in, comfort food, food, food. Oh, seven pounds, it's going to be 14 by the end of this thing, I guarantee it. But anytime we search for these things that we need that, to make us feel good instead of finding our satisfaction in God, it leads us further and further down the road. I lost 60 pounds one time. It took me a couple months. You know how fast I put the 60 pounds back on? Real quick. Real quick. Sin just drags you right back. I put so much effort to go this way, it just drags me right back into it. Alcohol, drugs, you always need a little bit more. And once you get that, to get the same happiness, the same satisfaction, you need a little bit more. And you need a little bit more. And that becomes an addiction. Pornography. I'm just going to look at this one thing. Well, now I want to look at a little more of a thing. And now I want to look at another thing. All of a sudden, I'm looking at things I never thought I would look at. All of a sudden, I'm doing things I never thought I would do. All of a sudden, I'm chasing women inside a marriage, and it's wrecking my marriage. It's leading to divorce. I get snared and I get trapped by sin. And we don't, under we don't, we don't value the, the, the consequences of sin in our lives. So what is it? Is it pleasure? And lastly, it's control. Man, I don't know. 
I found a lot of people that put their hope and trust in control this last election. When the control of who is in our country dictates whether you sleep or not, your spot's in the wrong, your, your, your worship is in the wrong spot. Your hope is in the wrong spot. Maybe if I can get my kid to do the, this sport at this time, I can get him into this school, I can, I can watch who his friends is in this situation and this thing, and if, if it doesn't happen, I lose it. I get angry. I want to control every, every, every part of the life. And it stresses me out. It stresses the ones that you're trying to control out. Sin leads to more sin, and you need to control more. If I can just have this more control over this area, if I can just control them, if I can just control how the election goes, if I can just control Russia to stop invading Ukraine. The control. And what happens? What happens when you realize that you don't have any more money and it goes away? What happens when your person that you're trying to get approval from doesn't like you? What happens when the things you find thought would bring you happiness and pleasure no longer bring you pleasure but pain? What happens when you realize that you're not in control? It's called depression. It's called anxiety. It's called hopelessness. It's called despair. It's called brokenness. We get in a place where we're so weighed down because the things that we put our hope in, the things that we were praying that would bring us happiness, no longer bring us happiness, but in bring us enslavement and weight and pain. Look what it says in Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. All once lived in the passion of the flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You guys, when you pursue your own design over God's design, which is sin, you're dead. What hope does a dead person have? Nothing. If you're trying to find your hope in money and power, and pleasure, and approval, and control, it's not going to work. Sure, it seems like it for a moment, but in the end, it leads to just absolute death. And maybe there's friends you can you look on the outside and say, yeah, they're enslaved to all that, and they're in a bad situation. They're dead in their sins. They're dead in their sins, and guess what a dead man can't do? Raise himself. But, oh, wait a minute. Oh, man. But, what do you mean? We're surrounded, we're beat down, we're crushed, we're enslaved to sin. But, oh, what, what do you mean there's hope, but? You know what the end of uh, Romans 6, 23 was? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Amen. We were dead in our trespasses, but God. Amen. Ooh, but God is our hope. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Oh, not because of what we've done, not because of the good works we've done that were better than, uh, we did more than bad, not because we are attractive, not because we're gifted, just because his mercy, just because he chose not to give us what we deserve, but extend grace to us because the great love in which he had for us. Just because of Christ's love for us, God's love for us, even when we were dead, nothing to add, nothing to contribute in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, that's a free gift. Free gift, you have been saved. Guys, dead in our sins, and God makes a way. Even in the brokenness, God loved you so much that he sent someone to repair the relationship between you and God. God loved you so much that he sent his son who never sinned, who never broke from God's design. The one thing that truly pleased God the most, his only begotten son, and he sent him to this world. And he lived a perfect life. 
And he died on the cross taking the payment for every sin you ever did, you ever will do, or even ever thought of. And he not only took it, he nailed it to the cross. He purchased you back out of the grips of sin and made you right with God. And not only that, and on the third day, he conquered death. Not that he was dead, but knowing that in him we have hope of eternity. Yes, in this world, God promises, in this world there will be trouble. In this world you will have consequences of sin. Whether it's the world's sin or your sin or your neighbor's sin, whatever. There's going to be consequences of that sin. But there will be a day with no more pain, no more sorrows, no more tears, and it's going to be perfect. And that's the hope that we have. But only, not only that, but through the power of Christ when we accept him, he gives us the power to start eternity now. He gives us the power to break the addictions. He gives us power to break the people that we try to seek approval from. We, he gives us power to break the desire for, for money and fame and glory. He gives us the power to live the Christian life that he's called us to do. And know how you do it? You repent and you believe. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you know what that means? You confess that God's design is right. You confess when he calls you to do something, he rules your life, so you do it. When you say that Jesus is Lord, that's when you surrender your life to him. And you say, no longer am I going to follow my design, I'm going to pursue your your design. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. As soon as you do that, the, the debt that you are owed because, of, uh, owed because of sin is now paid for in the precious blood of Jesus. And after that, and maybe today is the first day you've ever heard that. Maybe today is the first time you even recognize that you were enslaved to sin. Maybe it's the first day that that you didn't understand the bondage that you were in. And maybe it's the first time you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. If you (laughs) confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that easy. You do it and you're saved. And then you become right with God. And after that, God takes everything in you. Ephesians 2.10, he makes you his workmanship. He takes your past hurts, your past struggles, your past sins, your past bondage, and he turns it for good. He turns it for good so that you can invite people over to your kitchen table and share the good news of the truth, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. He makes you, he uses you to be exactly who he needs you to be to reach the people he's called you to reach. He gives you the ministry of reconciliation, and Josh is going to talk all about this, and I'm super excited about it, right? Because it gets me pumped up. But we get to be on mission for God. Not only do we just get to be saved and sit on a shelf, but we get to be getting off the bench and get into the battle, and we get to tell the people about Jesus and the hope that is in them and the good news that they can be free from their sins. That's awesome. That's awesome. And when you understand your brokenness, Understanding your brokenness changes how you see others' brokenness. I talked to a guy that's in law enforcement the other day, and he sees the worst of the worst of the worst in the brokenness of the situation, and it'd be so easy for him to say, these, these guys are useless, these people are useless. And I did not expect to come out. He's like, you know, I come up to a situation, Alex, I just start praying for him under my breath. I'm like, how does someone who is constantly getting beat up by people on their worst days, they see the worst in the world, all of a sudden have a heart that feel bad for them and just pray for them? It's because he understands the gospel of Jesus Christ. He understands it's not, it's, they're enslaved to sin, and there's only one thing that can free them from that, and it is the power of Jesus. It is the power of Jesus. So here at Branch Life Church, the goal is a hundred of these faith conversations. The goal is a hundred intentional conversations just to share the truth about Jesus Christ in your life. Share, share your faith. It doesn't have to be a long presentation with a PowerPoint or anything like that. It's just talking about Jesus. In Branch Life, we set an example about uh, July 2nd. 
where we threw a big party outside. We had a pig roast. We had hundreds of people there. And people got up and physically and visually displayed the act of the gospel. They physically displayed them choosing to go from living for their design sin, being buried in Christ, and choosing to follow their design. My name is Tim Nice. Well, I had known Josh Park from High Point growing up when uh, I was a camp counselor, and he was a, a speaker. And Jeremy Latchall, his nephew, is a good buddy of mine. I went on a mission trip with the Park family way back when I was eight or nine, so kind of loosely go way back. And I was back from military training, and I needed a home church, so I got plugged in here after Jeremy invited me. My faith journey started at a very young age. My dad was a pastor at High Point, um, youth pastor, and grew up going to church every Sunday. Awana, all of it, the whole nine yards, I was, I was in the church and involved. And deep down in my heart, I was rebellious still. Um, I was talking the talk, I wasn't walking the walk. I, I knew how to fool everybody, but I didn't, I hadn't made my faith my own. Um, and that was evident when I left for the military and I really just was completely living for myself. When I got back, um, I had reached the end of myself. God had got, gotten a hold of my heart and, and uh, I remember one night he brought me to my knees and I, I repented and I, since then I've been truly a follower of Jesus. When I was growing up in the church, I was baptized and I felt I was doing it for external reasons. I was doing it for the people around me, uh, for my dad. It was not a conscious step of obedience um, to God. This most recent baptism um, was a prompting. I wasn't prepared to. Um, it was a, uh, it was a, hey, you're, you're a son of mine, go get baptized, there's water here. The verse that came to mind um, the day that I got baptized, and the one that I'm gonna share, is 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Um, does not make us timid. So that's, that's a bold faith. It's a full send step of obedience. Just do it. It's awesome to see Tim, and I didn't even know, I didn't get to hear that testimony before I got up here, but he said, I was seeking the approval of someone else, and I said, I, I seek the approval of God, right? So where are you guys today? Where are you guys on this circle? Are you still in the brokenness stage, and you're pursuing your own design over God's design, and are you trapped in that sin that holds you so deeply? Maybe you're hearing the gospel, but you've never repented and believed. Maybe you're on the way to the gospel. And maybe, maybe you're like Tim. Maybe you're like Tim who says it's a, it's a full send. That's a term for like dirt bikers when they hit a jump. It's just wide open, boom, just going all in for Christ. And that's so beautiful. And maybe it's your time to get baptized. Maybe it's your time to take that public profession of faith in front of people, which is a visual representation of you no longer living in your sin and choosing to follow your design, but saying, God, I'm following yours, and you die to your sin. And when you come up, God raises you to new life and the power to live it. And maybe that's it. Whatever it is, do that. Whatever that next step is, do that. In John, it says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. God is the answer. Jesus, through Jesus Christ, being in right relationship with God is the answer to all the things that need to be satisfied in your life. Nothing else. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the hope that is found in you. I thank you for the, the power that is found in you. I ask that you give people strength. 
confidence, wisdom. I ask that you give people encouragement to take that next step. Maybe, God, there's someone in here today that's never given their life to you. And today is the day of salvation, that they've been struggling with sin in their life, and they just feel entrapped and bondage. They struggle with the anxiety and the stress of things. They struggle with the seeking of approval. Lord, I ask that in this moment that, that you work in their lives and that they give their lives to you, that they confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that you are Lord and that God raised them from the dead. Lord, there's others that need to get on mission. There's others that need to get fired up about God and that they need to no longer dabble in sin and just go as far as I can go without, without really saying, I'm still saying I'm a Christian, but they need to just, just die to that sin, Lord. And they need to give their life to God and be on mission. They need to get baptized. I ask for strength for that. Lord, I ask for strength in these table talks that are coming up. I ask for, for the, 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 the small, still voice and the people who we need to call the people we need to invite. And I ask those meals and those times be absolutely awesome and divine, Lord, and that you do a great work inside Branch Life Church and the members here. And as the worship team plays this next song, just think about, what are you guys worshiping?
Thanks for listening through that conversation today. And my prayer is that you'll be able to have powerful conversations in the days and weeks ahead where you can share your faith and see others come to faith. If that happens and someone comes to Christ because of your table talk, would you let us know? The best way you can do that is filling out your connection card anytime online at branchlife.church. We're there 24-7 and we would love to hear how God is using this series in your life. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to have more conversation around the talk of the table.